The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Pitches. He's kind of like the guy like the Brewers do with, with Ashby or right now what they're doing with Peralta where you know he's only going to go four, maybe five innings. If you get five innings... He's basically going to go for the lineup twice. Yeah, um... Then it's left to the bullpen. So I'm thinking if the Brewers can get to the starter tonight, get to him early, get to the bullpen, maybe that might give him an advantage tomorrow. Hmm. I'm just trying to think outside the box about a team that is struggling to score runs right now and playing against a really, really, really formidable opponent. So, so, so basically tonight, probably on brand with how they have been the whole season. Look at the Brewers trying to get into a lot of deep counts, I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pretty much been their their operating procedure. But we are back on another Wednesday, so we're getting really, really close to having shows twice a week, every single week. Um, basically, you only have one Friday off until Packers season starts. I know. And so, yeah, we basically have it'll – be, it'll be the second. Yeah, so we basically have one Friday off until, like, January. So, <laughs> basically, September 2nd is going to be the only day there's not a Friday night show. And from now until the Packers is over, we're going to have Wisco Fanatics twice a week coming on. So, <sighs> it's going to be a lot going on. Um, this Friday, we are doing a bonus episode. Jake and I will be our last bonus episode before Packers season starts. We're going to be talking about some basics of basketball and football. So if there's any Sorry. basics, terms, phrases that you uh, that you hear while you're watching sports and have a question on, let us know. We can uh, we'll research them and we'll we'll talk about them. But that being we, we said, actually, we're gonna start. With, go ahead. We, we have a we have a lot on schedule for that. Me and Tyler brainstormed we a do. lot of good ideas. I think so. We kept it mainly uh, football and basketball because baseball is pretty. Baseball, you understand, it's been around for hundreds of thousands of years. It feels like. And baseball, the thing is, too, like, we, it's gone so analytical. Like, we discussed, yeah. I don't know, maybe a month or two ago about yeah. some of the, the new age statistics. So we've, we've kind of yeah. touched on that a little bit already. But um, let us know if there's other things you want us to discuss. Um, we're going to start with Brewers and Cardinals. And let's start with, let's start with game one and Brewers and Cardinals. Game one. Not a lot to cover in this game. This game was pretty clean. Uh, two mm-hmm. very, very evenly matched teams. I'm going to say that before we cover Every time we play them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the series is just neck and neck, literally. We have four more games against them. Um, this, this, It's been very fun. Uh, High-stress games. That's all I'm going to say. Quality uh, games, too, honestly. Yeah, good baseball. Uh, this one yep. was 3-1. to one. The Cardinals won. Uh, Eric Lauer was – pretty good in this game and he starts tonight so we still you know i feel confident when lauer is a starter that the brewers have a very very good chance to win the game uh no matter who the opponent is dodgers cardinals doesn't matter 
Uh, Lauer, six innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, two walks, and the five Ks against a very good Cardinals lineup. Now, I know when you look at the stats, the Cardinals haven't produced like they probably should, but I'll tell you this. They definitely have one of the better lineups, especially in our division. Probably the best For lineup sure. in our division. Um, also, yeah. in that game, Suter pitched uh, inning and a third, nothing across the board, no walks, uh, 1K, but no hits, no earned runs. So he was very, very good again. Brett Suter's been I – w- I would call him money over the last couple outings, I would say. And then Jason Alexander, who I thought has been pretty good this week, he pitched two-thirds, one hit, one walk. So, I mean, he was good. Carantini got the solo RBI, not a solo shot, the solo RBI. Brewers, again, left eight on base, which kind of hurt. But, you know, they're they're competing with very good teams right now. So, I, I don't feel bad about this loss because I know what happened the next day. <laughs> yeah, that's good, too. Um, I agree with you on Lauer. Um, I have it written in my notes that Lauer looked better than his final line and getting the mm-hmm. loss. Which brings me to a point that I want to make and I'm going to continue making and it's going to carry into football season is to stop using wins and losses to gauge a pitcher's talent. And I'm going to say it in football season, stop using wins and losses to determine if a quarterback is good when there are 22 starters on the field. There's so many things outside of those players' control that happen during games that should not count against them or for them for that matter i'm not only saying this to to try to mitigate losses but like it shouldn't always count for a guy to get a win you know when he holds a team to to five runs but his team scores 10 so it works both ways but um there's other ways to determine pitchers talent than just simply looking at wins and losses um so I wanted to throw this out there just because he had a, a pretty rough week and a half-ish or so. But Christian Yelich made some really good contact in this game, especially the opposite field, just right into gloves. It happened at least twice in this game. Um, you brought up Suter and Alexander. The Brewers, this game, they did strike out 11 times. So coming out of the break, I talked about ways the Brewers could strike out less, whether it be swinging at the first pitch more, looking to use the opposite field, which I do think they've done a lot since the break. I think they've done really well of using the opposite field. Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas on his home run that he hit yesterday. So I do think that is improving, but the Brewers still need to strike out less. Yep, I agree. Um, I, that's pretty much all I had for game one. That game, it felt like it went really fast. Yeah, it was it was a clean game, man. That's why I said there's yeah. not really much to report here. It was just the Cardinals scored a couple more runs. That <laughs> really it. Yeah. So speaking of fast games, I mean this game two of this <laughs> series was a pitcher's duel if there ever was one. Um, what are you looking at from game two? Corbin Burns was Corbin Burns, and obviously he gives us the best chance to win when he's on the mound. I mean, there's no secret. He's a young award winner. Seven innings. Four hits, one earned, six Ks, zero walks. The whole pitching staff had zero walks for the entire game. So that's that's exactly good. How you that's get very it. good. Yeah, eleven Ks, eleven Ks, zero walks for the pitching staff for the Brewers. So that is a great. You know, I kind of use the K to walk ratio. I look at that like touchdown interception ratio. Which, by the way, listen sure. up on Friday. I'm gonna have a six stat about that. But here we are. Um, we're talking Brewers here. Williams, that guy's just phenomenal. And Bush was really, really good in this game. Um, that 
Urias touched all four bases, Renfro RBI, Wong and RBI, only left three on base. So they got this win in 10 innings, but it, it was it was an earned win, but it was a good win. And the Brewers have been playing a lot of extra inning games lately. I think they have the most in, in baseball, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, you know, James, you watching this from Sonic would be relevant if you want to ask the manager if they want to sponsor the show. Like, that'd be cool with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him a <laughs> shout out. Um, yeah, this one you pretty much touched on everything too. I mean, this is this was definitely a pitcher battle. Like Adam Wainwright's been in the league a long time, so like he's he's got he's got stuff. He's been successful for a long time, and he's yeah. Brewers fans know all about Adam Wainwright. I mean, um, your Yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. So is Yadier Molina, um, and Albert Pujols for that matter. But um, Luis Urias hit his first home run since July, so that's good to see. Um, I want to highlight Hunter Renfro taking that extra base in that was what the bottom of the 10th or 10th, 10th inning. Yeah. 10th inning Hunter Renfro taking an extra base. Um, that, that proved to be part of a winning play by Colton Wong, then being able to get the sack fly to get him in. Um, mm-hmm. Matt, Matt Bush did give up a sacrifice fly. Um, and then he got Tommy Edmond to strike out to end the game. So Tommy Edmond is actually a very, very good player. Um, his name kind of slides under the radar when you're looking at Pujols and Arenado and Goldschmidt and Molina. Um, but Tommy Edmond is a freaking stud. That dude is an offensive and defensive stud. Um, so Matt Bush getting him to strike out to end the game is a big deal. He's very good on defense, and he's a very good contact hitter. So yeah. They're, here the Cardinals go again. They got their next budding young mm-hmm. star. It's super annoying, but whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> at least they traded Harrison Bader. Like, they still have Tyler O'Neill, who's kind of a Brewers killer, but they got rid of Harrison Bader, so we got that going for yeah, us. Yeah, I was happy. Since I touched on everything, I want you to start the next game, so I don't take All right, so here. go to game three. Uh, Hunter Renfro opened up the scoring in the second, uh, hit his 20th home run. Uh, Dylan Carlson almost caught that one and brought it back. Um, Ashby did a really nice job after giving up the home run to Pujols. He got two strikeouts. Um, Colton Wong playing very good defense. Um, that's been something that was kind of a storyline in the first half of the season was Colton Wong defense being not what we're used to. Um, and now the second half of the season, that's really, really picked up for Colton Wong. Yep. Um, and then this basically turned into another pitcher's duel after that. Um, Ashby pitched very, very, very well. Um, six innings, only two earned runs, only three hits, two walks, and five strikeouts, only 79 pitches. Like that's, that, that is very, very good stuff for Aaron Ashby. Um, mm-hmm. Did you see – so Goldschmidt hit that ground ball to Luis Urias that kind of took a weird hop on him. Did you see how fast his glove level changed? No, I didn't see like, that. Like he was like, woof, and it was in his glove. And it was like, damn, like the glove speed on Luis Urias was like, it was kind of freaky. Um, Brewers got screwed by a hot corner. Really good defense play by Turner. Was that last night or was that the night before? I'm not uh, sure. It happened to Tyrone Taylor in Pittsburgh too. Yep. Yeah, it was actually Tyrone Taylor that was hitting. Mm-hmm. He hit one down the third base line, and he oh, it was a nice play. Whatever. I don't want to <laughs> give credit to the Dodgers because screw them. <laughs> um, so we get into Matt Bush. Uh, Pujols is now one for eight career batting against Matt Bush. Um, Matt Bush threw just an absolutely nasty curveball to strike him out. Uh, Pujols swung and missed. 
Um, and it probably would have been a strike anyways. Caught like the bottom of the zone. It was mm-hmm. such a good curveball by Matt Bush. Um, Pools did get to Rogers. Carlson hit a solo shot um, and a reach on error. But um, this was it, it, it's kind of frustrating. So like I get that we've been dealing with frustrating situations because the Brewers have lost a bunch of games lately. Mm-hmm. But it sucks when there's a lack of consistency. So, and I'm not just talking about the Brewers, but I'm also talking about the Cardinals and the the umpiring and the strike zone of this series. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like it was a squiggly line and the Brewers were trying to watch a lot of close pitches um, during a series with a really wobbly strike zone. So that that's one of those things where I talked about swinging and, and swinging to protect with two pitches, you know, not not trying to, to take close pitches, trying to draw walks, but just trying to fight pitches off and waiting for the mistake. So there's a little bit of a different philosophy there. But um, in a series with weird strike zones, I think you got to kind of turn that up a little bit more and, and be looking to protect even more. So, yeah. All right. What did you see in game three? Um, like you said about Renfro, the guy just continues to just yak home runs. Um, Telez also hit a home run. So, that guy has definitely paid out uh, his due from that trade. I'll say that. Uh, fuck the Yankees. And uh, only two left on base. So, again, this was another pitcher's duel. Not as mm-hmm. uh, not as well-known pitchers. I mean, Malakis from uh, the Cardinals is a pretty good. I believe he's their ace. So. He's probably known more for his mustache. but Yeah, which is, which <laughs> is not fair to him because he's actually very, very good. Uh, I believe he's very good. Um, and Ashby, Ashby is uh, up and coming. I believe that he's going to start making him na- a name for himself in the next couple of years. My job is done here. Ah, Chelsea, it. you know we can delete comments, right? Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> you spelled Yankees with too many E's, by the way. <laughs> like a dolphin must have typed that. <laughs> <laughs> now that I got good audio, that's not good to do that. <laughs> Actually, it might have been worse than my shitty audio. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, well, <laughs> I was just going to say, I mean, this was just, you know, like I said before, I'm going to get redundant here. It was just another good game. I came down to one guy getting a hit, and that's who won the game. That That's what these games come down to is one guy making one play, either for the Brewers or for the Cardinals. And, you know, like I, uh, I said earlier, we have four games against them. Uh, we have – a much easier schedule as Tyler mapped out for everybody last week after this Dodgers Cubs Dodgers. Um, he she says Sonic is always good. Jesus, Christ. <laughs> stay on topic. We're talking about the Brewers. Um, I know I'm gonna make me hungry while I'm while I'm doing this show, and I gotta wait till we're done. Yeah, and, we, and I didn't even talk about what we're having for dinner, so that's not fair. But uh, so I got to figure that out after this. But anyways, um, it's just going to be close games so we will we are not out of it that's the brewer's identity too is to play close games that's their identity yeah it's very stressful and i hate it i hate everything about it like why can they not just win a game 10 to 1 just one time just i mean it could be like the yankees and win every game either 10 to 0 or lose 10 to 0 but like sure it's fun when you win but like when you lose like you're turning games off after like the fourth inning and like you know it's it's a little bit of drama is good for you, you know. 162 drama? I don't know about that. I don't know about 162. Yeah, I saw. I we we I gotta, the pirates and stuff like that. Let me, know, let me pull really it up. Let me pull it up because I just saw this. Oh, God. Now we're ready. 
This is a stat. If Christopher was watching, he'd be excited. Taylor likes the stats, too. So there are four teams this season to have at least 10 games with zero runs and at least 10 games with 10-plus runs. So the list is the Yankees, the Brewers, the Phillies, and the Cardinals. So at least 10 games shut out and at least 10 games with 10-plus. What some some weird, some weird lack of consistency there. Yeah, I don't like any of that. Um, yeah, don't like any of that. Yeah, if that's the where, like, didn't have Aaron Judge, they would probably suck. I'm just gonna say that right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, um, it's it's one of those situations where, like I, I've been saying actually for the last couple of weeks, that um, like the ability is there and the opportunity is there. It's just gonna come down to the execution and now, like I'm saying, the consistency. So those things just need to kind of balance out. Um, so let's go, let's go to, we'll start with Monday, Monday's Dodger game. Let's start with game one. I'm going to reply to that comment real quick. Um, then please stop being a Packers fan. Cause I am so sick of your curse hanging over my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> much, much appreciated. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this was the first game between the Brewers and Dodgers this season, if nobody was aware, which is absolutely crazy to me. That is we kind of weird. Like, we talked about this with Interleague. Like, there's 162 games. Like, why yeah. is the schedule not more balanced? Seriously, like, and why do we only – and why do we have our series back-to-back against them? You know what I mean? Like, that's just yep. – it's, like it's like they're like, oh, crap, the Dodgers got to play the Brewers. Ah, slap it right next to each other. Yeah, we'll throw the Cubs in the middle. Yeah. Call just to make them have to travel. Yeah, whatever. Um, I lost this game four to zero. I was watching. I watched the first five innings of this game, and the you know, the annoying thing to me was that the Brewers. I believe they had three hits, three or four hits, and oh Jesus Christ! Um, they Brewers had three or four hits, zero runs. Obviously, we scored zero runs the entire game. They had four hits. Yep, four hits. And the Dodgers had one hit, but it was a solo shot. And I was like. This is not fair. Baseball is not fair. Um, but, you know, I felt like Peralta is, is building. He's building himself yep. back up. Um, I'm not upset with him. I think he had a really good game. I mean, the one earned run that he had, obviously, he had a pretty good outing. He only had four innings pitched, uh, four walks, which I could do without, uh, in the 3Ks. Yep. So, once he gets the walks down and he can start, you know, pitching s- six innings like we're used to with Freddie Fastball. Right. Um, I think the Brewers are going to be good to go. The Brewers just couldn't get a damn run across. And that first inning still haunting me with two on, no out, and they couldn't get a run across. It was like I, – I already felt like at that point, and that's the mindset we're trying to get away from. But mm-hmm. it was like we're at home. We're playing the Dodgers. We're, we just lost two games of the Cardinals, and we had two on, no out, and, I'm, and we don't score. And I'm just like, why do you do this to me, you know? But – I mean, the rest of the game was okay. Sucks that Milner uh, gave up. He gave up that home run. That that was just a good piece of hitting. I won't lie. I don't yeah, want to give credit to, to the Dodgers players, but they have good players, obviously. And that was just a you know a plus piece of hitting, in my opinion. I find it easier to give credit to the players than the franchise itself. Yeah. Also, I wanted to point out Jason Alexander was absolutely phenomenal in this game. Gave three innings, zero earned runs, zero walks, and two Ks. So I wanted to give a shout-out to our boy, the show, Wisco Fanatics boy, Jason Alexander. He was awesome. 
Yeah, I wanted to, I put in Alexander in here too. Um, giving a big boost for the bullpen and knowing what we know about Tuesday's game, it's a huge deal actually that even in a loss that Jason Alexander was able to pitch three game or three innings scoreless because the yeah. Brewers used seven pitchers last night. So Jason Alexander being able to give the Brewers those three innings is actually a really big deal because it helped out the team on Tuesday, and it did actually end up helping win. Um, so you know stuff like that it kind of goes it kind of goes a little unnoticed, but being able to give those innings did actually help the Brewers win yesterday's game. Um, so I, I liked what you said about Freddie. Um, he did pitch well. His pitch count kind of got away from him a little bit. That's kind of what limited him to just those four innings. Um, and those four walks are a big part of that. Those just extend innings and obviously make the game longer. Um, yes. you, you mentioned not a lot of hits. Dodgers had six hits and four walks. The Brewers had four hits and two walks, and both of those walks were Christian Yelich. Um, but, you know, that's that's where we're at with the Brewers. Um, let's, go to, let's go to last night's game. This one was... Another one of those dramatic games and, and some more extra innings. Um, yeah, you can start us off. Start us off, man. All right, so Woodruff looked really, really good uh, like he has since the All-Star break and since coming back from his injury. Yep. Um, first inning, he played through 27 pitches. Second inning, 16. Third inning, only nine pitches. Hmm. He had six strikeouts through the first three innings, eight through the first four innings. Um Bottom of the first inning, Christian Yelich draws a walk. Willie Adamas hits a bomb to right center using that opposite field. Oh, that, he smoked that son. Yeah, he did. Um, Woodruff did give up a couple solo home runs, but he finished five innings, um, five hits, two walks, two earned runs, and the eight strikeouts. Um, I can still hear you. Oh, no, I was going to say, yeah, I can still hear you. It's, it's screen. <laughs> I was trying to turn down the volume. My finger touched him. <laughs> Fat fingers. All right. Yeah. Um, Christian Yelich hit his first home run since July 2nd, 112.4 miles on our off the bat. He got all of that. Stuff. That'll do. Oh, God, did he smoke that. Yeah. Um, Brandon. Brandon. Uh, Brad Boxberger, his first outing since last Wednesday. They didn't really say why he wasn't available. I mean, maybe it was just maintenance because he had been pitching so much. Um, he only needed nine pitches, I think, to get a one, two, three, sixth inning. Um, then Devin Williams, uh, Hobie Milner, and Taylor Rogers all got scoreless innings. It's good to see Taylor Rogers get a good inning under his belt and get a, a scoreless appearance. Um, if he can build some momentum, that would be huge. Um, you got to give Chris Taylor a little bit of credit. He made a really good catch on the Andrew McCutcheon hit. I wrote that down. That you got to give credit to him. That ball. You got to give him credit. Like he laid out when the game was on the line. Put his body on the line. Like, yeah. you got to give him credit. I know it sucks that it happened against us, but you got to give him credit. That's good baseball. The only reason I was going to give him credit, and I mean, other than it being a, a fantastic play, was because immediately after that, the top of the inning, they ended up taking the lead in the game. And I was like, yeah, that's they, – they have all these superstars, and then one of their non-superstars makes a play like that. Mm-hmm. It's no wonder their record is the way that it is. Everybody yeah, makes these plays yeah. over there, you know? But yep. playing with superstars kind of eases you up a little bit, so you can play a little bit more freely. Well, it takes it takes some pressure off, and it, you know it, it it increases opportunity for you, really. Because I mean, yeah. obviously, you know when you're looking at a batting order, like who would you rather face, like Chris Taylor or Freddie Freeman? Like it's an easy answer. So, yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's pretty easy for me. It's all about it's all about the way you look at it, you know, and that's yeah. 
If I had a dollar for every time we've talked about trying to look at things differently. We'd be, we'd be rich right now. <laughs> All right. Um, so going into the bottom of the 11th, uh, Craig Council actually said it was Hunter Renfro's idea to lay down a bunt. Um, I mean, it worked out. If it doesn't work out, who knows what ends up happening. Um, but it did work out. Um, Christian. Colton Wong worked a seven-pitch at bat. He did end up striking out. But then Luis Urias worked another seven-pitch at bat. He drew the walk. And then Victor Caratini hit his second walk-off of the season. This was the Brewers' seventh walk-off win in 2022. And on top of Renfro's bunt, I want to give credit to his base running on that play. Because if he didn't run those bases absolutely perfect like he did, we don't win that game in 11 innings. We just tie the game in 11 innings. Yeah. So I, wanted, I wrote that down, too. I wanted to give credit to Renfro for the bunt and the base running. I mean, that was awesome. Adamas as well. Let's give a shout-out to Adamas because he, he is having a rough year batting average-wise and, you know, all the slashes. But that power is still there. So that power threat is still there. So people are still pitching him, you know, because they're still scared that he can just take one into the seats, you know, touch all the bases. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Brewers scored five runs, left ten on base. They are two for eight runners in scoring position. So I mean, meh. The approach that's, that's pretty that on. Take, that's pretty on par with their batting average. It is. It is. So like the, the thing that I'm going to look at is you know they're getting opportunities. That's the mindset. The positive mindset I want to take yeah, is they're good. getting opportunities. So if they come through in those opportunities, it is a freaking scary ass team. But up to this point, they haven't come through in those opportunities. But in baseball, that's the best part that we talk about, right? You get 162 chances yep. to, to take your opportunity. And Carantini's second walk off this year, by the way, since you wanted to shout that out. Yep. Um, it's it's been a it's been a better week, you know, like you said before the show. It's been a better week than it was last week. So yep. we're building. We're gonna get ready for the takeover, right? You gotta you gotta hit rock. Getting ready, we're, we're getting ready for Craig Timber. Get ready, baby. I'm ready. I'm fucking ready, dude. <laughs> Can't give up. Also, 15 strikeouts for this pitching staff yesterday. That, that is, is good, especially against a team like the Dodgers. That's big-time stuff. Yeah, they have a lot of good batters. I mean, Freddie. Yeah, that's good. To that's mind. good to point Mookie out. Betts comes to mind. I mean, those are two of the best players in baseball overall. Yep. They both position. have MVPs. Yeah, So, and they're still both, you know, relatively young. They'll be around for a little bit yet. I mean, Freddie Freeman's getting a little bit up there, but Mookie Betts is still pretty young. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was uh, nice to Trey see Yelly hit a homer, man. Turner. It was really nice to see Yelly hit a homer. Yeah, it was. Did you, oh. uh, you you sent it to me, but if you haven't seen it, look at Yelich's Twitter or Instagram. He puts up the picture. He puts up the video of him hitting his home run last night, and the, the announcer is saying, um, it's been since, and it cuts away, and it goes to the old lady saying, it's been 84 years. It literally <laughs> felt like Christian Yelich hit his last home run. <laughs> It's only been about a month and a half, but um, Christian Yelich does still, despite being that broke like an 0 for 25, 26 streak that he had, uh, he still has the highest on-base percentage on the team. And he's still hitting the ball hard like you pointed out before. He is in the 85th percentile for average exit velocity and the 91st percentile in hard hit percentage. So it's not like he's not seeing the damn ball. He's just Hitting it hard right at people, and that's how it goes sometimes. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there because it's gonna come up in the offseason and it's gonna come up during next season. When they ban the shift, Christian Yelich will be one of the players that benefits the absolute most from yeah, just, that. Just the, all those hits over second base. Jesus Christ. Dude, 
for if I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody complain about Christian Yelich grounding out to the outfielder in short right field, it's like that's why they do it. Because yeah. if you don't, that's a hit all day. Dude, he's lit- <laughs> dude, he's gonna go crazy. What up, Isaac? How we doing, buddy? Me and me and Isaac were dealing with people uh, with the Favre and Rogers debate again. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. You know, that the Favre and Rogers thing, it reminds me a little bit of the Giannis and Kevin Garnett thing. I agree to a point. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you take control of this. I want to see where your head's at. Why do you say that? Because it's it's a situation where because you say that one is better than the other, it doesn't mean you're knocking one down by saying that Giannis or Aaron Rodgers are better than Kevin Garnett or Brett Favre. You're not automatically by, by converse saying that Brett Favre and Kevin Garnett suck. Yeah. People get that wrapped up. So in their minds, well, if you think this guy's better, you must think he sucks. It's like, no, they are right here and right here. But this one gets the edge for this reason, this reason, and this reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to give a little, little tiny context on our conversation. Some guy said, I'm paraphrasing here, and I came in in the middle of this conversation, so I didn't read all of it. But he said that Favre would be like Stafford is today. Now tell me at any point in his career where Stafford was considered better than Rodgers. Tell me. If you can name the year, I'll give you a million dollars right now. And no, he was not better than him last year because his team won the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear Dude, that. Dude, Stafford sucked in the Super Bowl. That's why, like, people are like, oh, rings. He's got the same number of rings as Rodgers. No, he's better than Rodgers. Like, no, he's not. How many all pros does he have? It's a really easy answer. Yeah, how many, how many MVPs? How many Super Bowl? Did he win the Super Bowl MVP? I don't know if he did. I thought Cooper Cup won it. Oh, you're right. Cooper Cup won it. Um, oh, his wide receiver won it. No, it's. That ends the whole conversation right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of a comparison for what Brett Favre would be today. I kind of want to say like Joe Burrow, like the season that Joe Burrow had last year where he's like a pocket passer, but he'll sling it out. Damn, I love Joe Burrow. And you love Brett Favre, do you not? I do love Brett Favre. I still actually own – I still have a Brett Favre jersey. My other one was pretty trashed, but – I still own a Brett Favre jersey. I still rock it. I think I have a jersey T-shirt somewhere. Maybe Hold I had on, a Brett Favre jersey when I was a really little kid. But I have this cool doohickey I got from a garage sale a long time ago, bro. Look at this. It's a Brett Favre little thing, little Sports Illustrated thing on there. That's nice. Pretty sick, right? That's nice. And it's uh, from. 95, 96, so it has all the stats on there. Hmm. 38 and 13, I mean, 99 rating. I mean, that's pretty damn good. Dude, I could easily see that for Joe Burrow. 38 easily. touchdowns, 13, that's, yep. No, let me there tell you something. Rodgers over the last three years, 13 picks. That was Brett Favre's MVP season. Conversation over. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. It's it's just not close to me. It's not. <laughs> it's just not close it's, to me. I it's kind play. of close, but it's not. It, it's not to a point where you can say Favre is better. To me, listen. Uh, now you got me going. Actually, <laughs> I got myself going, but you added in. People always knock Rogers 
leadership, right? Yeah. I still have newspapers. Dude, I still have all of the newspapers and all of the papers from when Favre left us and we traded him to the Jets that year. I have all of it in plastic. I remember watching him retire in Mr. Geigel's room. Me too. Mr. Geigel cried, dude. Geigel cried. I remember that shit. But uh, anyways, that was just a throwback. Don't remember me. <laughs> um, people always knock Rogers' leadership, but they yeah. don't understand that there's different leadership styles, right? It's just, yep. it's kind of the same thing with, with LeBron and Jordan, right? Back in the day, Jordan, he used to bully people, talk shit to people, and that was how he motivated them. Like, match my energy kind of shit. Like, I'm yeah. alpha. You follow me and you do what I say. That's kind of how Kobe was too, but to, yep. to a lesser extent. Like, he actually respected people, where Jordan was straight up just an asshole. You know, LeBron is more of like a buddy-buddy guy. Like, hey, what's bothering you? What's going on in life? What can I do to make your job easier? That's how Rodgers is too, in my opinion, where he's like, listen, I will gladly sit here and teach you and, you know, tell you what to do, but you have you have to be willing to put in that work, right? Mm-hmm. Where Far was just out there and you kind of fed off his energy, you know, because you knew Far was going to be all heart. And I respected that because I, lo- I love players yep. that play with heart. Look at Giannis, right? We yep. love watching Giannis because every time he dunks the basketball, he puts all of his goddamn – Energy that he went through <laughs> in his life into that damn basketball, and he tries to rip the damn rim off. And I love watching that, right? But look at the shit that happened today. Did you see, did you hear the shit that happened today with Rogers? Did you read that with the wide receivers? You be talking about the quote that he had from yesterday? No. So he had the quote yesterday, right? And then today, yeah. all the wide receivers, when they showed up this morning at eight forty-five this morning, were instructed to go into a room where Rogers the other two quarterbacks and a bunch of the offensive coaches were sitting there and they all went over stuff that all the wide receivers can work on. Tell me how that's a bad leader. The guy fired you up. He told you that you have shit to work on. So now you yep. go home, you're watching sports center. You're watching sports center. more before you go in. You're like, shit, Rogers called me up, man. Is he dogging me? And then the first thing that happens is he has a great conversation heart to heart with you. Listen, I want to work for a guy like that. You got to listen to like Rogers isn't saying that, these guys have things to work on. These guys need to fix this. The young guys need to fix this. He's saying we need to fix this. Mm-hmm. So he's taking ownership of his the, the part that he plays in it as well. And that's where, you know, we, we've talked about it, where Rodgers holds people to a certain standard because that's what it takes to succeed. So I, I understand the the contrast in style, but. You know, it's not like he's out there telling people they suck and telling them to get off the team and and stuff like that. And, you know, we can both answer Isaac's question. Isaac asked, how many Hall of Famers did Favre's defenses have compared to Rodgers? I could tell you off the top of my head the two people I consider Hall of Famers. They didn't spend their entire career here either. One, well, I mean, a good chunk for Charles Woodson. He's a Hall of Famer. And then, obviously, he's in already. And Julius Peppers. Outside of that... Julius Peppers will be a Hall of Famer, but no, I, that, I'm I'm saying that I'd maybe add one more. Clay Matthews, maybe. Clay Matthews, maybe. He might, but he only had 83 sacks. Of well, for the Packers, I mean, how many how many did he have for the the Rams? Like four. So I don't know. He, didn't, he didn't. I know he's the Packers leader in sacks. He'll be in the Packers Hall of Fame. I mean, Tremont Williams yeah. is going into the Packers Hall of Fame. So the one guy that I think that could have been a Hall of Famer like pro football Hall of Famer, if he didn't get hurt, was Nick Collins. And I know we both agree on that. Yeah, I love Nick Collins. But outside of that, I mean, look at – I mean, dude, Brett Favre got to play with Reggie White. 
we had like three seasons where like Morgan Burnett was our best defender. Yeah, dude, I hate Morgan Burnett. He always blew coverage. <laughs> always. And it, we do. We had Morgan Burnett and Haha Clinton Dix, and the Packers was just like, "Yeah, we're good to go." <laughs> Think Throw about Lancaster that out there again. Think about that now, dude. Compare them to Savage and Amos. It's not even close. Oh, night, day. night and day, dude. Not even. I close. love Adrian Amos. Oh, dude, he's a stud. All right. All over who had a better defense? Yeah, dude, it's over. Yeah, Reggie White, exactly like I said, dude. Reggie White, he's considered. He's maybe the best defender of all time. You know what I'm saying? Yep. All right. So let's do you want to do do you want to do the power pair before we uh before I start tearing new ones? Yeah, yeah. Oh dude, I'm so ready for you to tear new ones. I'm, I'm gonna I'm tearing some new ones. I'm like I'm digging the hole and then digging it really, really deep, and I'm just shoveling a ton of dirt on top of it. Um I'll let you answer that question since you brought up Julius Peppers. That is a very good point. I will say he was pretty freaking good for us. He forced a lot of turnovers, I felt like. And he helped take some pressure off of Clay Matthews, who is, like Tyler said, the leader in sacks for the Packers history. So that's a good point. He definitely wasn't in his prime, but he was still out there forcing fumbles, man. He was still very good. It's it's one of those scenarios where it's like Julius Peppers may not have been a Hall of Famer for us, but he will be a Hall of Famer for his career. Yep. And, you know, if a Hall of Famer only got to play with Favre for a couple of years, that would still be a Hall of Famer on on Favre's belt. That's how I would look at it. All right, let's do power pair. You want to do pitcher or position player first? Yeah, I feel like we have the same pitcher, so I'm going to go first with pitcher. Okay. Yep, you have Jason Alexander? I don't. Oh, yes. All right, so I – was really happy with Alexander against the Dodgers on Monday night. He was really, really good. Yeah. Um, so that was enough evidence for me to be like, dude, he went through that damn lineup for three innings and he didn't allow an earn run or a walk. He allowed two hits, but he also got two Ks, a guy that never gets strikeouts. So three and two thirds innings pitched, three hits, zero earn runs, only one walk because he was struggling with walks there for a little bit and the two Ks. So yeah, I was really happy with Jason Alexander this week. Well, like I said, too, you know, it, it gets lost in the day-to-day, but him being able to give those three innings and then knowing that the Brewers used seven pitchers on Tuesday, that that matters. That stuff matters. Yeah, 100%. So that, that helps. For me, I went with Brandon Woodruff. Um, I feel like he hasn't gotten a ton of love, like even though we've every time we talk about him during games, um, you know, we say, you know, he's pitching really well, he's pitching really well, but I feel like he hasn't gotten a lot of love in the power pair, so I wanted to put him in mind. Mm-hmm. His his two outings in the last week, 12 innings, five earned runs, uh, no walks against Tampa Bay when he pitched seven straight innings in that game, and, and no walks, and he's got 13 Ks in his last 12 innings. That's over a nine strikeout per game, or K per nine, however you want to look at it, um, ratio. So Brandon Woodruff, he's pitching really well, and he's – He's got like two extra miles an hour on his fastball since he came back from being hurt. Oh my god! He hit ninety nine. This is why we're best friends, Tyler. Because you bring <laughs> up the shit that's perfect. I was so upset that I didn't bring this up because I wrote this down. His fastball was awesome yesterday, dude. And he's throwing Basically, sinkers now too. <laughs> bro, like all of his fastballs were all of his strikeouts, dude. High in the zone. He was at ninety seven regularly, ninety six. But like you said, he hit ninety nine. Yeah, he hit ninety nine with a fastball, and it's like. 
Damn. Now that that's a guy ready for Craig Craig Timber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We we could do a three man rotation in the playoffs and do Burns, Woodruff, and then stack say Peralta and Ashby or, or you know Lauer and and Ashby and and mass, you know mix up some lefties. Adrian Hauser is making some rehab appearances. Um, Omar Narvaez is supposed to be back this weekend during the Cubs series, but uh, give me your power pair position player. Oh, geez. So, you know, uh, they have a list of uh, damn near impossible things or unbreakable records. <laughs> the damn near impossible thing this week was finding a freaking offensive player. <laughs> I went with Rowdy Tellez, who batted right. 66. Um, it didn't have to be offense. It's a position player. So, you know, I you know, can mix in some other things. I know. But so I, mean, I did. He had, he had three walks. <laughs> he had a run and RBI. And I felt like, I felt like he was, he was good at the plate this week. He, he was patient. He got the, he got the one strike out of against the Cardinals. I think it was game two where it was low and inside. And I don't think it was a strike either, but he struck out on that. And I was like, yeah, seems like Rowdy's seeing the ball pretty well. He's, he's going to get another breakthrough here pretty soon. I think. Sure. So, goals. I went with a guy, so I went with Luis Urias, even though he hasn't been hitting the greatest lately. Mm -hmm. um, he did work two really good walks in yesterday's game, and he's been playing very, very, very good defense lately. Oh, interesting. Do you want to know a secret, Jake? Yeah, what's that? So Isaac just put on here that Travis Fogelman is back with the Packers. That's actually already posted on the Wisco Fanatics page. Yeah, take that, Isaac. <laughs> Scroll down a little, Isaac. That was posted 45 minutes ago. But, yes, that is a familiar face back with the Packers is Travis Fogum. Okay, so real quick, I'm just going to go through what's next for the Brewers. So they have tonight and tomorrow afternoon with the Dodgers yet. Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Chicago against the Cubs. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they are at the Dodgers. So we're continuing the 31 games and 31 days stretch. Um, like I said, Adrian Hauser has been rehabbing. Omar Narvaez should be back during the Cubs series. Justin Topa and Jake Cousins are still rehabbing, so those are two potential additions to the bullpen. Um, so that's some potential reinforcements coming for the bullpen, which is good because um, the Brewers actually optioned Jason Alexander back to AAA today and called mm -hmm. up Peter Strzelecki. So mm -hmm. the Brewers are shuttling – guys in and out of the bullpen um, and getting some of those guys back. Trevor Rosenthal is also on a rehab assignment. If that's a guy the Brewers can get back, that's another dude that throws in the upper 90s that could potentially be joining and helping the bullpen too. So potentially a lot of reinforcements coming for the Brewers' bullpen, which would be really helpful. Ah, man, something crazy is going to happen this year. I feel it. The magic, the magic is still there. The potential is still there. Now and Tyler's going to go crazy. Let's go. Oh, yeah, all right. So <laughs> this is the question. <sighs> I get I get frustrated because there's 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 literally a thing called Google. Mm -hmm. So you can look these things up just as I did and find all of these answers. I understand not everybody wants to do the work and go and find out this and that and use a notebook and write stuff down. So I did it for you. And I'm answering the question of are the brewers cheap? 
You're going to have to bear with me for a while, because I wrote a lot of shit down for this. So, Plenty of time. I've seen a lot of people say, the birds are top 10 in attendance all the time. How are they not have higher revenue? Attendance is only part of it. So I looked at attendance, revenue, and salary. The mm -hmm. Brewers are 10th in attendance. This is true. The Brewers are 10th in attendance. The Brewers are 28th in television revenue. Ugh. Television revenue. That is the other big piece of the pie that gets lost in where payroll comes from. So the Brewers are 10th in attendance, 28th in TV. They're 19th in salary. So they're actually dead in the middle of attendance and salary. Oh. Yeah, they're uh, right in the middle of 20. Exactly. Yes. So this is this makes me so freaking angry. The Brewers in 2021 made 269 <laughs> million dollars in revenue. Yeah. I like the pause. <laughs> <laughs> the the Dodgers, oh my god, this makes me so freaking mad. The Dodgers made $239 million in just television revenue. Oh, fuck no. They made almost as much as the Brewers did total in just television. That means the Dodgers could have had literally zero people attend games and only make $30 million less than the Brewers did last year. The Dodgers' revenue last season was $565 million. Jesus Christ. Wow. Andrew Merchandise is part of it, too. Um, you know, it's – I will say I don't think the Brewers travel as well as, as the Bucks or the Packers. The Packers are still the goats as far as traveling goes. Wisconsin um, Badgers is pretty good, too, I will say. Bowl games hearing, and shit. That Thursday, that Thursday game last year in Arizona, hearing the Go Pack Go chance was awesome. Yeah, that was that was magical. Also, people didn't start rocking Bucks gear until Giannis became Goat. Okay, mm -hmm. me and Tyler were around for those days. You think anybody was cheering when we had fucking I got, Keith I got, Van Horn? I got three pennants over there. I got a green and cream one. I got a red and green one, and I got a purple and green one. And I didn't just order that since they announced the new classic edition. That's been. That's been on my wall. <laughs> and the schedule was announced today, so thank you yes, it for was. reminding me of that. Um, so last year, Dodgers $565 million in revenue. Yankees $482 million in revenue. Red Sox $479 million in revenue. Uh, Atlanta, who won the World Series last year, who some people like to call small market just because they're not in Boston, L.A., New York, or Chicago, $443 million last year. Uh, Chicago... Cubs, 400 Astros, $388 million. Mm -hmm. um, James, to answer your question, if it's traveling or the Packers fans everywhere, it's kind of both. I think it's both. But there is a huge Packer bar in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've had people comment on Packers videos from Costa Rica and Brazil and um, Germany, so like, that stuff's cool. We like it when that stuff happens. It's cool. Uh, we're hoping to connect with more UK Packers fans on if they're playing in London this year. I think that would be That'd cool. Be sick. Really uh, so we're going to keep going here. There are teams doing more with less. There's teams doing less with both. So Seattle is really the only team right now that's doing more with less. Mm -hmm. But you go to teams that are doing less with more. All of these teams have higher payrolls 
than the Brewers. Rockies, Tigers, Rangers, Cubs, Giants, Angels, White Sox. All of them have higher payrolls than the Brewers. The Rockies, as of Monday, were 15 games below 500. The Tigers, as of Monday, were 30 games below 500. The Rangers, 12 games below. The Cubs, 19 below. On Monday, San Francisco was exactly 500. The Angels were 13 below. And the White Sox were three games over. So All of those teams have higher payrolls. And the White Sox are supposed to be really fucking good, by the way. They play in a trash division. Way yeah, worse than ours, in my opinion. Okay. Now, here we go. We've had this discussion of, of rebuilding. So, we're going to go. I'm going to start with the last 20 years of World Series championships. And I will count on my hand the number of small market teams that won championships in that time. Okay. So, 2002, LA Angels. 2003, Marlins. 2004, Boston Red Sox. They broke their curse. Uh, 2005 was the White Sox. 2006 was the Cardinals. 2007 was the Red Sox. 2008 was the Phillies. 2009 was the Yankees. 2010 was the Giants. 2011 was the Cardinals. 2012 was the Giants. 2013 was the Red Sox. 2014 was the Giants. 2015 was Kansas City. 2016 was the Cubs. 2017 was Washington. 2018, um, 2018 was Boston. 19 was Washington. And then 2020 was the Dodgers. 2021 was the Atlanta Braves. That's three if you include Washington, who actually has a pretty big market. So you look at those three even, Washington, Kansas City, and the Marlins. None of them have been relevant since their championships, and all of them have traded away superstars since then. Yeah. Like, we just had, we just watched the Nationals in the last two years ship out a shit ton of superstars. Yeah. Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, obviously Juan Soto, like Josh Bell is not really a superstar, but... Um, a very good player. The Marlins have... The Marlins had a really low payroll the year they won it. They've only made the playoffs once since their World Series in 2003. And it was in the COVID year where playoffs were extended to eight teams. That was the only year they've made the playoffs since their championship. Does that now, <laughs> I mean, it counts for the Brewers. So, okay. um, then Andrew, I'm, this is what I'm getting to. Going all in doesn't guarantee you a championship. So this is this is where Stearns brings up the more bites at the apple thing. Uh, all you know those three those three teams that I mentioned, the Royals, they're in the bottom of their division. Like Jake just said, the AL Central is not good, mm-hmm. but you look at teams that are having to rebuild that didn't even win championships. The Angels, the A's. Look at the A's, dude. The A's. Yeah, I don't remember them ever. Oh man. Um, the Reds. Look at all the players the Reds have traded in the last two years. Yeah, man, it's pretty sad. The Blue Jays. I mean, the Blue Jays have gone through rebuilds. They're just coming back up. But like, you think back to the Jose Bautista days where they were hitting home runs like freaking crazy. Um, I mean, the Diamondbacks, they won in 2000. I think the Diamondbacks won in 2001. But, like, they had to trade Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, you look at the Rockies. They traded Troy, uh, Troy Tulowitzki, Trevor Story, Nolan Arenado. All those guys used to be on the Rockies. 
That's pretty. That's three pretty damn good players, in my opinion. <laughs> that's three very good left side of the infield players. Yeah. Uh, and that's before you get into all the power hitters that they had, but you know, being in mm-hmm. Colorado helps. So this is where, Andrew, I'm going to kind of tie this in. This is the all-in question. Is making the playoffs, because you're not guaranteed a championship by going all-in, is making the playoffs worth setting the franchise back a minimum of three years? I will be waiting for your answer. Tyler asked me the same question, and I said no. Like, didn't even think about it. I read it, and before I finished the question, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not trying to go backwards. Nah. I would this is this is a situation where like I said David Stern said the the quote as many bites at the apple. This is going to be a little hard to hear for people and I understand that I would rather miss this year's playoffs than trade 3 out of Sal Frelick, Garrett Mitchell, Joey Weimer, Jackson Churio, Ethan Small those five guys, maybe Bryce Terang in there as well. Yeah. I would rather miss this year's playoffs than have to trade three of those six guys. I agree. Well, I feel like Cheerio is untouchable. I mean, that guy, he's up to number two now for baseball prospects. So, I mean, they, guy, they just redid the, the MLB pipeline. He's number 18 in all of baseball. Oh, number 18. That's in, the, that's in the top 100. I know. Of and all he's only, prospects. He's only in single A right now. And he's 18 years old. Yeah. I loved having CC as a rental. And Z- <sighs> yeah, but I mean, look at, look at, okay, so that's 2011 you're talking about. No. Um, having having CC Sabathia was really fun for 2011. Uh, the Brewers didn't get back to the playoffs for seven years. That's tough. The Brewers have had a rough two and a half, three weeks. And it's almost to a point where I don't want to open Facebook because that's how negative Brewers fans have gotten over the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% avoid Brewers groups. When you, could you imagine that for seven years? Probably not a lot of people commenting. <laughs> oh, man. Like Actually, you know the funny thing about that is? Is when a team has no expectations, people are actually generally more positive about their team. Like, oh, so and so looked good today. I mean, I we we mentioned that last week with the Cubs. It's because it's because they expect them to lose already, so they have that shitty mindset. So they're like, oh, I expected us to lose, but hey, so and so looked good today. Like, why why is that? I don't understand. He said, "Oh man, Andrew, I don't know if I'm that patient." <laughs> man, this we got is... kids and we ain't patient. <laughs> so this is this is the ser- like. I want to bring this up because this is this is new. The Brewers have never been in a position to make the playoffs five years in a row and have you know have that many chances to to make a postseason run. And we've seen and we know it because we've lost to the World Series champion three years in a row, what it takes to go all the way in the World Series. Now this is would you rather have a one-in-one chance, basically like the Padres are setting themselves up, that if you don't win it this year, like, you know, you're either paying out of the nose massively, which is part of the reason why I think the Brewers were willing to trade Josh Hader, or do you give yourself a one-in-five years chance? Mm-hmm. And that's that's like the that's the 
the question that David Stearns has to ask. He doesn't get to just focus on 2022. He's got to focus on 23, 24, 25, and potentially beyond. Like he extended Ashby until he retires. Um, but, but you know, that's that's not a, a luxury that David Stearns has is to only worry about this season. Like, yeah, it's cool to go all in, and it's a lot easier to do when you're at the top of the standings. You know, if if the Brewers were 20 games up in the NL Central and, you know, basically already guaranteed a postseason spot, it's a lot easier to go all in. But I don't know how much keeping Josh Hader and acquiring, say, Josh Bell and Brandon Drury, what that really does to make the Brewers a World Series favorite. I don't think that it does. Imagine we traded for those guys and then they started stinking up the joint. Imagine. Like Jonathan Scope in 2018? Yeah, that was that was rough. That was rough. I won't lie. That's why I'm saying, like, going all in doesn't guarantee you anything. So, you know, you got to kind of think ahead. And, and that's kind of what I'm doing. And that's why, like I said, I would not trade three out of those six guys that I named to guarantee a playoff spot in 2022 and say, we'll worry about 2023 in the offseason. Because mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I'm really excited for the Brewers 2023, 2024, 2025 outfield. Yeah, I'm. I've fallen in love with Hunter Renfro a little bit, but I'm excited to see what these young guys can do. You you have his honorary baby brother in AAA right now. Yeah, I know the hair flow, dude. I can't yeah, Joey Weimer is is hair Hunter Renfro light. Like that's easily his player comparison if he's got one. I'm ready for that. Do it for like that's my boy. If he if he starts yakking homers, man, though, Sal Frelick is he's a I'm stud. That jersey so fast. I'm gonna buy that. And then so Garrett fast. Mitchell's playing really well, and so is Esteri Ruiz. That dude, oh my god, the wheels on that dude. So I had the bunting conversation again last night. Oh god, about people saying the Brewers should bunt and the Brewers should bunt, and I'm like, damn it! As soon as I saw that Hunter Renfro lay down that bunt, the bunting people were gonna be like, see, Hunter Renfro did it. I knew it. I. I thought oh. I was like, oh boy, Tyler's fucking. <laughs> okay, he did it in a situation to catch a team off guard. That's a little bit different than just laying down a sacrifice. Like, like they know it's coming to to move a guy ninety feet and yeah. give a team a free out. Right. So, uh, the other two scenarios or strategies that the other person I was talking with proposed was stealing more bases and doing hit and runs. Now that I am all for. Uh, I brought up Asteri Ruiz because the guy asked, you know, maybe the Brewers just need more speed. I'm like, go check out Asteri Ruiz. He's got wheels for days. He's faster than everybody on the roster currently combined. (laughs) Um, So stealing bases and the hit and run. I feel like the hit and run is kind of a lost art, but it requires a lot more contact and the Brewers take a lot of pitches. So it kind of rules that out. But it does create the opportunity for more stolen bases. So I will I will level with the person I was talking to that stolen bases is potentially a way to create more offense um, and potentially uh, break out with um, you know break out of, of so many double plays. Um, Pat said, "How are you? How are you for that with the batting averages?" How am I for the hitting, like the hit and runs? Yeah, probably, yeah. I mean, the batting average, it comes down to not just outs that would affect, 
you know, having to go back to the base. So like strikeouts factor into batting average, groundouts factor into batting average. Like I can pull it up and I can see how many, um, see the percentage of ground balls that the Brewers hit. I know it's a lot. Um, the Brewers ground out a lot. Look at hitting runs. Play. Yeah, hitting runs could potentially um, mitigate some of those double plays. Um, like I said, I'll pull up. I'll pull up the ground ball outs and see what that looks like. Um, I feel like the Brewers are probably near the top of the league in, in ground ball percentage, but I'm going to guess. I'm going to say it's somewhere around 44%. Yeah. That's a lot of ground balls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like you said, freaking Yelich grounds out to freaking in that shift to freaking right center all day. He yeah. hits over second base all the time, too. And there's, yeah, a, and there's that's, a guy standing right there. And that's like I said. So, you know, a hit and run potentially in that situation um, could make it. Say you put Yelich in a hit and run situation and Willie Adamas hits a ground ball behind him. Yelich has the speed to get to second base to not make that a, you know, a playable play. You know, makes it so the, the defense has to go to first base. I mean, kind of like the bunt yesterday, it would it would have to be used situationally. Right. That's just, that's just how it works. I'm um, not saying we have to do it all every damn inning. But I'm right. okay with or, it. Or if every time you have somebody on base. It could be a situation where, um, and I'm sure Council and Stearns have this information at their disposal, you look at guys who have a high contact rate, guys that generate a lot of contact and maybe not necessarily a lot of fly balls, but – Say you have a guy who either strikes out more often than he flies out and makes a lot of contact. That could be a situation where that's the guy you put in a hit and run situation. Um, and yeah, it it does involve needing better contact hitters. Um, all of the guys that the Brewers drafted this year are all contact hitters. Like all of them, like they all fit the profile of um, guys who hit for contact, guys that walked more than they struck out. Um, okay, league batting. All right. Batted ball profile. Ground well, ball. Uh, while you're looking for that, Dad, I want you to answer. Ooh, I was and close. Don't, and don't give me that BS. Both, I like both of them. Uh, I've asked you this before, and you've said that. Do you let, do, who's better, Rodgers or Favre? And I want to hear your real answer. I was really close. Yeah, Atlanta got on fire though, and they have some pretty damn good batters. I will yep. say. We Brewers don't have anything near what Atlanta had last year. I mean, Freddie Freeman alone is a better contact hitter than anybody on the Brewers. Okay. Atlanta, Atlanta's sick. They got a good lineup. So I guessed forty three percent. Or forty four percent. Dang it. Now I spoiled it. The Brewers have a forty three percent ground ball rate. That's it's middle of the pack as far as the league is concerned. Um, fly ball percentage. The Brewers have a high fly ball percentage. Um, He's breaking so, it up now. He's going to say Hart is going to be Favre. Told you. Called that shit. <laughs> I knew it. And I don't, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree with you. Okay. But when I look at a quarterback, I don't think about his goddamn heart. I think about his arm. Okay? So that ends that debate. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Brewers are dead last in line drive percentage. So 
that doesn't bode well necessarily for hitting runs. Uh, pop-ups, they're right in the middle of the league for that as well. Um, so, yeah, it, that would be, like Pat said, like we said, um, more more contact if you're going to try to do things like hit and run. Um, I think he does. Let's If you want to pivot to that, I think he does. We can bring up another discussion here while we go to this, too. Um, last thing I'll put on here with the Brewers, like I said, um, the Brewers, not necessarily cheap. Like I said, 10th in attendance, 28th in television, 19th in revenue, splitting that right in the middle. The Brewers have their highest salary in team history this season. So calling the Brewers cheap, it's not really a fair criticism because they are spending more than they ever have and potentially preparing to spend more. Um, that's where I think they get into um, trading Josh Hader, and I'm still going to hold out hope that um, Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff are signed to basically lifetime contracts this offseason. Well, if they don't, then there's really going to be a lot of, a lot of question rides. marks. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> All right. Andrew said, did Favre have heart or just a lot of Vicodin? I mean, that's a little bit of a dig, not going to lie. But uh, I mean – it's... He had heart. He had heart. I'll just say that. Okay. You could tell. What do you think of this comment right here? We posted this comment. It's on the screen. Rodgers might have the best arm talent ever. What is your response to that? My initial response is you think about his velocity, his ball placement, mm-hmm. and obviously you go to accuracy, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd throw arm strength in there as well. This, this is where... Yeah, that's where I meant by velocity, I guess. But, okay. Um, people forget, man, and I go back and watch this game quite a bit. People will be looking at, at Mahomes, and they're like, oh, my God, we've never seen nothing like this. Go watch the divisional round game against the Atlanta Falcons. Aaron Rodgers with pinpoint accuracy looking like he's throwing 500 miles per hour, and he's throwing through a damn window this big. And then go look, one of my favorite places last year, I always bring it up, the throw to Tanyan against the Detroit Lions right up the seam, linebacker mm. literally in Tanyan's jersey. That ball had to be right here. And you know where it was? Right here. So when you add in the velocity with the accuracy, and then, you know, this is a little bit of a, a basics thing. You watch Rodgers throw, and, and a wide receiver, you know, has to jump and he has to reach up like this. And you're like, oh, that was a horrible throw. What a great catch. No, let me tell you something. Aaron Rodgers meant to do that because nobody else in the fucking planet. That's that's the thing. You put it where only your receiver can catch it. Yeah, and that's where you get into. (laughs) That's where you get into the Jared Cook catch against the Cowboys. Nobody else is catching that. Mm -mm. Um, You get into like Rodgers is really good at putting touch on the ball. Like I think it was Tanyan again. getting it where a linebacker jumps and you see the ball go right over his fingertips and then drop into his receiver's hands. Um, it was two of them against the Eagles to Devontae Adams. One was they were like backed up to the goal line and he threw in, in between double coverage to Adams and it goes between both of the Eagles dudes and then Adams' hands are just right there. Then the other one against the Eagles, it was like a, I think it was like a 31-yard touchdown to Devontae Adams in the corner of the end zone. The ball was right behind the Eagle defender back, and by the time he turned to look at it, it was already in Devontae's hands. Bro, that was on the road, too, on Monday Night Football, and that was the game that started the run the table. 
and you go one more. You go to when they were in Jacksonville like five years ago, and oh, yeah. Rodgers is getting pulled down by his jersey. Devontae is getting held by Jalen Ramsey, and he still is able to put it in a position where Devontae is able to make a diving catch. He was getting held by Devon House, by the way. That was before. Oh, Ramsey was Ramsey was tackling Rodgers. Yep. That's what it Ramsey was. Ramsey was tackling Rodgers. Dude, Rodgers has so many throws. And then here's the thing that I think puts Rodgers above Favre, and this is where it becomes not close to me: the pocket presence and the ability to buy time in the pocket. Where Favre, when he get flushed out, yes, he had the ability to throw on the run, and he still had the cannon, right? Yeah. But. Rodgers' ability to juke players and buy time for his receivers and buy time for his linemen to catch up. Look at look at the Motown miracle, right? He's juking, he's juking. His linemen come back and cold clock the defensive end. Maybe a block in the back, I won't lie. You know, yeah. <laughs> all the shit that Rodgers does. And then I think of another play against the Lions. Geronimo Allison, the run-the-table year. He's yeah. running outside, jukes the guy, runs outside, throws it. And that was another fireball that was accurate as hell. Nobody, and I mean nobody, was like young Prime Rogers before he broke his collarbone. That guy was one of one. That's all I'm gonna say. One of one because Mahomes has accuracy issues from time to time. Every once in a while, yeah. he sails and passes. He get he got into some situations where it'll be interesting to see what he does this year, where he'd be able to just basically throw the ball as far as he could, and Tyreek Hill would go and find it and come back to it and go get it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what Mahomes does with old Tyreek Hill. Um, James said he found out that a former Washington safety is the president and CEO of the Packers. Uh, Rogers, Rogers in cold weather is, I don't know. I would have to look into that, but right now I'm going to say, I don't agree. That's what I'm going to say right now. I don't agree. It's, you have to break it down into weird categories. Like if, if it's below zero or if it's below freezing, um, Favre lost to Mike Vick at home. That was when Lambo was really Lambo. When it had, you know, the nobody comes into Lambo in the playoffs and wins. Mm-hmm. He lost to Mike Vick, who who back then couldn't throw. I'm just gonna say that. When he went to the Eagles, he started being a, becoming a quarterback a little bit. When he was young Atlanta, he was he was like he was Lamar a runner. Jackson. <laughs> Lamar, Jackson, Lamar Jackson, yeah. And I respect I respect Lamar, but I'm not scared Favre of Lamar if he throws the ball. Right. Favre struggles on turf. Rodgers absolutely kills on turf. I will say that. <laughs> I will say that. Um, so now I'm going to lay this on here. I've, I've said this before, and I stand by it, and I have at least two examples. Um, one, being, one being Aaron Rodgers. Now, I believe Rodgers lost to Kaepernick. Kaepernick's another one of those guys where – you know, I wasn't afraid of him throwing the ball, but obviously he ran. And okay, Andrew, look, this is, look at the defensive talent on both those teams, and then that's that's the situation. I opened the show with this about quarterbacks wins not being a thing; they shouldn't be a thing, and and pitcher wins shouldn't be a thing. Rodgers didn't lose to Kaepernick. The Packers defense lost to Kaepernick. Rodgers isn't out there playing defense, so that's you know, like Jake said, look at the defenses. Uh, now here, I'm going to make a distinction I believe is important. It's an important distinction when you're talking about who is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Now, I strongly believe that there is a difference between the best player and the most accomplished player. Oh, yeah. 
Brett Favre, not Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady. I believe that Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady as far as being a football player is concerned. Obviously, I recognize that Brady has all of the rings, and Brady is a winner. That's that's an intangible thing. Brady is a winner. I can't deny that. People want to play with Brady because he takes pay cuts. You know, I, there's no denying that. But those are intangible things. When it comes to playing football, like I would much rather watch Aaron Rodgers' highlights for eight hours than Tom Brady dinking and dunking his way to a Super Bowl win and James White getting shafted out of a Super Bowl MVP. Facts. Facts. Now, the other one, and this is a super hot-button topic, and people every single damn day will talk about Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I am willing to say that LeBron James is a better basketball player than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is a more accomplished basketball player. Michael Jordan was a winner. He demanded you know, a certain degree of of excellence, but you know, like LeBron James is six foot nine and he's a freaking freight train. Yeah. And he's a point guard that could put 30 on you. I mean, come on. I mean, it's not, you know, it's one of those things. Like I said, it's there's the difference between being a better player and a more accomplished player. So the Favre Brady, oh, dang it, freaking Favre. I keep thinking Brett Favre. Rodgers versus Brady and, and LeBron versus Michael Jordan are two where I believe you can make that distinction. If Rodgers gets his second ring this year, we start having a real discussion about top five quarterbacks because outside of Packers fans, and I understand, they, you know, and you can't take anybody seriously because 90% of the people want to troll, right? But if he wins his second ring, he gets up there with Peyton Manning. You know, he gets I think up he there. already is based on MVPs. But, but I'd, I'd have Peyton Manning above him. But I think he's in that tier. Oh, I, so, I think he's in that tier as well. Like, he's a uh, – this is going to annoy some people. James, I'm sorry if this offends you, but Aaron Rodgers is ahead of Drew Brees all time. Come on. It, James, you have to know that, right? <laughs> um, I think James likes Rodgers even though he's a Saints fan. But I know, and I respect I respect Brees for how if we're, if we're talking about quarterbacks, I think it's Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, and I think Rodgers is in contention for that fourth spot. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. 100%. And and if Rodgers wins the second ring, I think you move him up to number three ahead of Peyton Manning. That's an interesting combo. See, I can you can make an actual argument for both sides of that, in my opinion. Can't game was different when Jordan played. Rodgers I know. Games. That's fair. That's fair. I but, understand. And comparing arrows is but tough. Brady still had all those years where he got all those Super Bowls. You know, you know the two, the three out of four, or whatever. Before Rodgers even entered the league, so right, and then and then he had a Super Bowl where if he literally has two Super Bowls where if a team runs the damn ball he loses, and then <laughs> he has a Super Bowl where he had to score more than three points. <laughs> so if you take away the three out of four and you take away those three, he's what does he have? He has the same amount. Yeah, but he already won, so it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, Drew Brees was really, really close for 2011 MVP. Like, he was really close. Like, yeah, I'm with you. I understand. It's it's close, and I'm I'm totally fine with Brees winning Offensive Player of the Year that year. Oh, yeah, me too. I mean, it's just Rodgers' touchdown-interception ratio. And, you know, people always troll Packer fans. Oh, here comes touchdown. If your quarterback was doing it, you'd talk about it too. <laughs> 
It's just it's the same conversation with the stock. If your yeah. team had stock, you'd buy that shit too. Yeah, I, cool. I will it's say that every memorabilia. single time. Yep, it's cool memorabilia. That's all yep. it is. And like I said, when I've said this a freaking hundred times, uh, you can drive by the stadium, see where they added all the new seats and the new jumbotron, and know that the the money that you put in the stock was a part of that. You yeah. you can literally see the physical representation of something that you were a part of, as far as the franchise is concerned. I'm going to answer my dad's question because everybody always says, they throw the ball so much now. Okay. And I'm not trying to come at you, Dad. I'm trying to come at everybody else. Then why the hell is Rodgers the only one with single-digit interceptions? Tell me why. Even Brady last year, as great as he still is, you know, people want to talk about Stafford. People want to talk about everybody, right? All these other great quarterbacks, Burrow coming up. Why is Rodgers the only one that's staying under 10 interceptions? There's, for there's two quarterbacks that I want to bring up in that back before they threw the ball a lot, and it's Terry Bradshaw and Troy Aikman, two of the most overrated quarterbacks in NFL history. I do respect Bradshaw's toughness because that was rough and tough, but Aikman, come on, man. It's And that's the, that's the same uh, – same argument for Emmett Smith. Look at that old line, dude. Look at all the freaking superstars they had on defense. I mean, come on. Come on, man. James, don't get me started on 2009 MVPs because I'm I'm a little salty about the NBA that year. Who the hell won the MVP in 09 for the NFL? I don't remember who Adrian, won it in the NFL. Is it Adrian Peterson? No. That was like 2012. Oh, look at that. Give me a second. Um, 2009. Oh, it's Peyton Manning. Ah, Peyton Manning. Should have known that. Didn't they, didn't they win the Super Bowl that year? No. No, they won in like 2007 against the Bears. Yes, yeah, so that was 2007. Charles Woodson huh. was Defensive Player of the Year that year. Uh, yeah, he was. He had a lot of touchdowns that year. That was the year we played the Lions on uh, Thanksgiving, and he ran a touchdown back, and he did the Heisman in the end zone. <laughs> All right, so – 2009, um, Manning had 112 more yards, one less touchdown, five more interceptions. I mean, it's pretty close. I could hear an argument for Breeze. I won't lie. Yeah, it's close. He threw less interceptions and one more touchdown, but fewer yards. We'd have to look at record and teams. Yeah. Break it, break, really break it down. 2009, Colts were 14-2. and two. They were very good. 2009 Saints were 13 and 3. Also very good. <laughs> Probably both the number one seeds. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, got a handful of people watching. Let us know are there any basics, phrases that you hear when watching football, basketball um, that, that you don't know what they mean or kind of know what they mean or hear them a lot, but. Um, things like that that you would want explained. Uh, Jake and I are going to be doing an episode about it on Friday. Um, I will grab my list right here. Oh, we're going to give the list away right now. I'm, go I'm going to give the list away just for those watching, so you know the viewers can get a little uh, a little extra. Um, Friday, the things we are for sure going to be talking about: twelve and twenty-two personnel. Um, what defenses three-four, four-three, nickel and dime defenses mean? Uh, what the West Coast offense is, um, the A gap, the B gap, uh, what pre-snap motion does for an offense, 
uh, and what zone defense is. And switching to basketball, we're going to be talking about the pick and roll, the dunker area, drop defense, and that's pretty much what we got for basketball. So um, if there's anything you think we should add to that list, let us know. Um, Andrew asked why he doesn't know we get why we don't get dividends from the stock. Um, talk about soccer yeah, teams. I saw in that Europe. yesterday, by the way, <laughs> about, about Elon. <laughs> he said he was going to buy the team. <laughs> um, so with, I'm sure it's an NFL thing uh, where the Packers can do it. They are, you know, they're community owned. Um, but I'm, I'm positive it would be a situation where the NFL says you, you know, you can do this, this quote unquote stock offering, but it has to go towards revenue towards the team and not, you know, not actual stock in the team. Cause you know, yeah. then you can do the rising and falling stock and then the, the Packers would be the only team allowed to do that. Yeah. That's because competitive they're, advantage. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm okay um, with. So yeah, I'm, I'm with Andrew. Yeah. That would, <laughs> that, doing stuff like that would essentially turn the Packers into the Dodgers of the NFL but the NFL actually has a salary cap and revenue sharing and parity. So, um, you know, that's one of those scenarios. I mean, I'd be cool with them being the Dodgers, being freaking 13 and 3 every year. Yeah, I know. And then being well, able to look at Jacksonville and be like, you're never going to win because your employee or your owner is cheap. Eh. Yeah, but he's a billionaire. How the fuck is that guy cheap? <laughs> it's Jacksonville. I get it. It's like, oh, I'm going to Florida to party. Where are you going? Jacksonville? What the hell? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Jacksonville, you weirdo. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's the thing that I see you know, when the, the Dodgers beat the Brewers on Monday and be like, oh, it's not our fault that your owner is cheap. It's like, you live in L.A. There's yeah. 18 times as many people there. Yeah, seriously. <sighs> All right. <laughs> Now that I've gone on six different rants today, yeah. um, you got anything else you want to bring up? No, buddy. I'm good to go. All righty. Well, thanks, everybody, for watching and commenting along, asking questions. It uh, creates for some good, interesting discussion. Um, I want to throw out there, just because something has never happened doesn't mean that it won't ever happen. So just because the Brewers have never won a World Series doesn't mean they won't ever win a World Series just because they've lost a few games in early August. 100% agree. Also, I expect to see all of you on Friday night, minus maybe my dad because he has to work on Saturday. So everybody else, you have no excuse. You hear that? <laughs> I see you on Friday night. And Tim. Tim said goodbye. So we'll oh, see you later, Tim. Tim, we'll see you on Friday. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.